Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode one of Realize Mindfulness podcast. Uh, my name is Lila Nord. I'm a podcast producer, and I did Kate's eight-week mindfulness course, and it was brilliant. And it brought me to the idea that maybe it's a good idea to start a podcast together and to give you a little bit of taste and a little bit of uh, a feeling of, of what uh, mindfulness is. So this morning, um, before we started, it was a bit hectic. We had all kinds of technical problems, of course, that's always how it goes. And uh, before we started recording, Kate led us into a short meditation, and now I feel so much more relaxed. So I'm ready to start this episode. And the first question to you, Kate, is what is mindfulness? Mm. Start with an easy one, hey? <laughs> Definitely. So I could talk about mindfulness um, a lot, but maybe the, the best way to experience mindfulness is to actually experience it. So perhaps I could answer that question by guiding us in a short practice as we begin the podcast. Fabulous. Um, and so mindfulness invites us to shine the spotlight of attention on our present moment experience. What's happening now in the body and in the mind and in the emotional landscape? And it invites us to do this with a real attitude of, of kindness towards ourselves. So let me guide us in a short practice just to get a flavor of that. So making any adjustments to your posture to allow you to feel comfortable, present, dignified and alert. And many people find as they begin to turn the attention inwards that it can be helpful to close the eyes. So you may choose to do that. But for some of us, that's not so comfortable. So it's also fine to leave the eyes open. Maybe just let the gaze drop and soften. And inviting the attention inwards now to a sense of the body resting on the chair. Maybe a sense of the weight of the body supported by the seat of the chair. An awareness of the sensations where the body comes into contact with either the seat or the back of the chair. Noticing pressure. Noticing perhaps how the, the body's leaning to one side or the other is quite balanced. There's no right way to be sitting, just noticing how it is for you right now. Maybe there's a sense of the fabric of clothing against skin around this area, this region of the buttocks and the thighs, perhaps the texture of your clothing or a sense of temperature, warm or cool. And then sliding the spotlight of attention down the legs and right down into the feet. Sensing into where the feet are in contact with the ground. 
Maybe a sense of the feet really being supported by the ground below them. And perhaps on the next out breath, it feels okay to allow a sense of letting go a little. Letting go of the weight of the body into the seat and into the floor. And exploring sensations in the feet as they, as they come into contact perhaps with socks or tights or maybe bare feet against the floor. Maybe giving the toes a little wiggle to enable a greater tuning in to sensation through movement. Noticing the muscles and tendons working. And then allowing the toes to settle into stillness. And tuning into sensations of the feet in stillness once more. Then when you're ready, letting go of the feet and shifting attention to the torso and noticing how the breath shows up in this region. Maybe there's a sense of the gentle rise and fall of the chest with the breath coming in and going out. Or a sense of the belly swelling and deflating in time with the breath. And seeing if it's possible to follow one breath all the way in and all the way out. And of course, we may notice the mind's skipped off, it's wandered off and there's nothing wrong with that, that's just what our minds do. So that moment of noticing is a moment of mindful awareness and an invitation to invite the attention back to the breath now. Just this breath coming in and just this breath going out. And then when you're ready, letting a sense of the breath fade into the background and expanding awareness to taking a sense of the whole body sitting here, weight of the body on the chair, feet on the floor, uplift of the body through the spine, right through to the crown of the head. And if eyes have been closed, maybe slowly blinking them open. And an invitation just to take a look around your own room, wherever you're sitting, just to orientate yourself as we, as we prepare to continue with our conversation together. So thank you. Oh, wow. That was so lovely. I feel even more relaxed now. So two meditations and I'm so chill. <laughs> so, um, what I wanted to know, Kate, is... How did you get started with mindfulness? Mm. So there's a saying that, that many, many of your listeners, many of our listeners may be familiar with that kind of, we, we teach what we most need to learn. And that's definitely been the case for me with mindfulness. 
So I, I was first introduced to mindfulness when I um, began my training as a, a mum and baby yoga teacher. But at the time, it was very much something, oh, that's interesting, but not something that took root deeply in my own life. Um, but I was aware of it and I, I chatted to, to my mum, who was a great mentor of mine, about it. Um, and when we moved from the UK to Luxembourg in 2013, I was having a tough time making the transition. Um, and so that Christmas, my mum bought me a book. It's actually um, here on my desk. And that book was Finding Peace in a Frantic World. Mindfulness, Finding Peace in a Frantic World. And it's a beautiful book. Um, and um, when I first did it, 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 it had a CD. Um, so it lays out an eight-week course. And um, there used to be a CD. Of course, nowadays things have progressed. So there's an app or, um, and there's also kind of online access. Um, but it guides you through an eight-week course um, of, of mindfulness and, and kindness. And I noticed that it, it really helped me make a shift in the way I was relating to, to myself and the transitions that I'd faced. Fantastic. And what were your personal motivations to continue practicing mindfulness? Because you know, reading a book is something, but uh, why did you continue? Yes. So... If I'm honest, it was probably through necessity. Um, I've, I've had a lifelong relationship with low mood and depression. And um, after we'd moved here, I, I kept very busy. That's one of my strategies. I was, I was a grade A volunteer, volunteering for lots of wonderful organizations where I met lots of great friends and really enjoyed the, the work that I did. But... The busyness meant I wasn't really facing up to my my emotions, my mood states, and eventually, eventually, the the mind body system shouts so loud that kind of you have to pause and listen. Um, sort of that you get to the state of breakdown. And after we'd been here around a year, eighteen months, that that was what happened, and I kind of crashed into a, dep a depressive episode um, and my mindfulness practice and um, my my work with my horses I'm also a, a, a trained equine facilitated therapist but my mindfulness practice and time in nature with my horses were the things that helped me refine my equilibrium and I was lucky that around that time, one of the parent support groups I volunteered with, a wonderful group called Passage, um, were offering uh, an eight-week MBCT course run by a wonderful um, counsellor who's also trained at Bangor, where I'm studying. Um, and... Um, Patricia ran this uh, eight-week MBCT course for a, a group of us, and it was just transformational. It was the thing that made what I'd picked up in the book translate into something that was actually part of my daily life. Fantastic. 
So you mentioned something like MBCT. What is MBCT? And uh, I know for a fact that there is also MBSR mm -hmm. and that it sounds a bit jargony, but what are the differences and what, and what do I need to know that can help me the most? Oh, thank you so much, Lila. That's that's a really great question. Um, and stop me if I start um, getting a bit too technical, because as you know, I'm, I'm studying a master's in mindfulness-based approaches. So I can dive in really deep, and that's maybe not what everyone needs to or wants to hear right now. Um, so all the eight-week curriculums are very closely interlinked and they are they're all based on the granddaddy of of, of kind of mindfulness eight-week courses which is the mindfulness-based stress reduction course which was developed by John Kabat-Zinn um, in 1979 and mindfulness-based stress reduction is one of the the most researched and validated mindfulness courses and it was developed really to help people who were suffering perhaps from chronic pain, anxiety, stress, and perhaps had tried everything else that was available um, through traditional medical routes, and it hadn't helped. Um, and John Kabat-Zinn had a vision for integrating um, the wisdom of meditation practices, the rich heritage of meditation practices across two and a half thousand years of mindfulness-based movements, very much yoga-inspired movements, and modern-day psychology and science around our human stress response and neuroplasticity and how to work more wisely with this. So, MBSR is the root program and it really is about fostering well-being and helping us be more resilient in the face of life stresses. Um, it's since been broadened out to be really applicable for a general public audience. So I think it's probably fair to say we all face stress in life. We all, um, we all um, have to deal with stress and yeah. So That's MBSR. Okay. Um, yeah, so maybe it'd be helpful also to tell you a bit about MBCT. So MBCT was originally developed um, by a group of, of, of professors and researchers um, to, to really address um, or provide support for people who are at risk of, of relapse from depression, of multiple episodes of depression. So the original MBCT course is very well researched and has very good um, clinical ratings to, to show that it's effective at supporting reducing depressive relapse. But because the course was so successful, it's since been adapted in a number of different ways. So MBCT blends um, mindfulness and also cognitive behavioral therapy. So it's a really powerful course and it's been developed in a number of different ways. So we have um, MBCT for, for cancer, for people who've had a diagnosis of cancer at any stage in their journey. Um, we have the MBEAT program, which is sort of, um, for um, mindfulness-based cognitive therapy for eating, um, 
eating disorders to support. We have addiction programs. And we also have the wonderful NBCT for Life program, which is a program for, for all of us to support well-being in day, daily life. So the, the program that we'll be sharing as, as we work together over the next, next um, nine episodes, a, a future nine episodes, is a bit of a blend of the MBSR and the MBCT for, for general well-being. I've tried to thread in some of the, the key components of both. Oh, that sounds lovely. And then you can really get a good feeling of uh, you know, what the courses are and, and what's, uh, uh, what you can achieve with them. And then, you know, sign up for your eight-week program. That would be wonderful. Yeah, yeah, I really, um, I really think that. I mean, there are so many wonderful resources out there now. The the you know, there's not only books. We have apps. We have online, and um, I myself really enjoy attending regularly a number of live online practice groups. So um, there are really great resources out there. But personally, within my own practice, I found the best thing for establishing and maintaining a deep-rooted practice is attending an eight-week course with a qualified teacher. Yeah, I agree. After doing your course, I totally agree because it's very immersive. Right? It's eight weeks long, but you, um, and I also liked it, the fact that you did it together with other people. So you get a really connection with these people and really evolve into this whole uh, mindfulness together. And that's, uh, that's something you cannot achieve when only listening to the podcast. So the, the podcast is is going to be a, just a little taste of it, but the whole experience should really be done with the eight-week course. Yeah, definitely. So I was just going to say that often the research shows that often people come to mindfulness because um, just like me, they have, have a challenge in their lives they'd like some support with. Um, and as we continue to practice, if we do continue to practice, we notice the ripple effects in our lives and how mindfulness impacts our relationships with others. And in fact, in the MBSR course on week six, we, we really focus on mindful communication, mindful interactions. Um, and often that can then grow into something much more profound in a way. Oh, maybe not more profound, but equally profound in terms of wondering, getting curious about how our own practice can make an impact in our community, make an impact in the wider world. Um, uh, there's a lot of talk in the mindfulness community right now about bigger than self mindfulness. So we often find we can start small and then it blossoms into something much bigger. Oh, that's so beautiful. Ah. Wow. Okay. So um, we're doing this um, recording, this first podcast episode. So um, I already said why I thought it was a good idea. I did the course and I, I think we should share this to other people. But um, why this podcast and for whom is it for, really? Yeah. So my great intention is to 
make mindfulness accessible and you know plant seeds of curiosity for people so my my hope and aspiration for for this podcast is that perhaps it acts as a, a support for people who've already attended an eight week course and are just wanting some some resources some support some community really to continue with their own practice um but also that it serves perhaps as a seed for anyone who might be a little bit curious about experiencing what mindfulness is and what changes, what possibilities it might open up in their own lives. Um, so, so yeah, that's that's really my my hope and my aspiration for the podcast that it it helps build a sense of mindful community and it, it plants some seeds. Oh, that's great. That's exactly what we need to do right now. Plant some seeds. Mm. So um, how can people reach you and know more about your mindfulness program and your and the trainings that you do? So probably the best way to reach me is through my website, which is www.realizemindfulness.com. And there's a contact page. There are lots of free resources on there. You can sign up to my newsletter to, to get the regular updates of, of what I'm up to. Um, and of course, you can contact me. And if you contact me, then I always love hearing from people and, and I'll get back. So if the podcast raises any questions for you, any challenges, then feel free to get in touch. There's, there's the opportunity through my website, actually, to book a, a free no obligation class call. So if you're interested in talking about perhaps a challenge or something you'd like to explore that's come up as a result of, of listening to the podcast, then, you know, I'd love to hear from you. Do get in touch. Oh, fantastic. So um, we're nearing the end of, uh, of our conversation, but this episode will continue and I will give the last word to you, Kate. And there was just one thing I wanted to share with listeners, actually, which is as a thank you for listening into the podcast, I'd like to um, offer a 5% off coupon to, to all listeners to the podcast. So um, you can and you can use that on any of the services on my website. So simply, simply enter podcast on um, uh, in the coupon box when you get to check out um, on my online booking services. So I forgot to say, you can also contact me on all the usual social channels. Um, I'm not very good at promoting the social channels, but I, I am there. <laughs> <laughs> but as a, as a mindfulness teacher, perhaps what um, appeals to me most is, is direct contact. Um, so that's why I'm saying reach out or I'd love to meet you on a course. And I also wanted to end today's, um, today's conversation by sharing with you a, a, a slightly longer practice than our introductory practice that if you take nothing else from, from the podcast, if you only ever listen to this one episode, then the next meditation is a really resourcing tool for everyday life. It's called an anchoring meditation and it guides us step by step through different areas of the body that we can use as an anchor in daily life to 
helps stabilize and resource us. Perhaps if we're feeling a bit wobbly or challenged or like we were having technical difficulties at the start of the session. So it can be a great, um, a great practice to use at the end of the day, the beginning of the day, or even uh, sort of between meetings. If you've got an important meeting coming up, just spending five minutes beforehand anchoring can be really helpful. So yeah, that's, that's how I'd like to end our conversation, if that's okay with you, Lila. Yes, perfect. So thank you so much, Kate. And uh, we will continue now with the anchoring uh, meditation. Thank you for listening. This is a short anchoring practice where we'll explore where it feels most steadying to rest our attention and knowing that this can change both within our practice and from practice to practice. So as best we can, approaching our experience with a sense of curiosity and fresh eyes. It's best to do this practice from a seated position, so perhaps making a deliberate change in the posture, moving into an upright position, letting the back lengthen just a little, and maybe allowing the eyes to close if that feels okay, or just lowering the gaze and softening the focus. So noticing where your torch beam of attention is right now, Maybe on my voice, or other sounds around you, perhaps from the next room or outside. Maybe there are busy thoughts running through the head. Maybe even a, a lens of mood, perhaps feeling a bit critical or annoyed, curious or calm. And seeing if whatever's here is okay to be here. Just noticing how it is and as best you can with curiosity now. Choosing to deliberately gather up the torch beam of attention. Maybe taking a deeper breath in. And then on the out breath, moving the attention all the way down through the body and into the feet. Not thinking about the feet, but tuning in to any sensations that are there right now. Maybe wiggling the toes, or pressing the soles of the feet down for a moment if that helps. Never underestimating the sense of ground beneath our feet. perhaps exploring points of contact between the feet and the ground underneath. A sense of temperature. Maybe awareness of the texture of socks or on skin or bare feet in contact with the floor. And then on an out breath. 
letting go of a sense of the feet and moving the torchlight of attention upwards through the legs and beginning to explore the contact between the body and the chair. Maybe strong sensations of contact with the chair. The feel of the seat itself. A general sense of gravity doing its work as the body settles onto the chair. And noticing if the mind's wandered and knowing if that's the case, there's nothing wrong. That's just what our, our busy minds do. Perhaps even congratulating yourself for noticing. And then choosing simply to return the attention to the felt sensations of contact as the body meets the chair. Shining the flashlight of attention here with a lens of curiosity. Zooming into sensations. Broadening out to a wider sense of the weight of the body in the chair, temperature, contact, pressure. And then on an out breath, letting go of awareness in this part of the body and moving the flashlight of attention up the back, down both arms and into the hands. Noticing the palms of the hands, perhaps sensing temperature or contact. And extending attention to fingers and thumbs, sensing if they're straight or curled. Tuning into the weight, maybe a sense of quiet heaviness of the hands resting in the lap. Cool air on skin. Or maybe no real sensations at all. And no need to go searching for anything. Just noticing what's here. Whether it's loud and vivid. Or quiet and subtle. And then on an out breath. Maybe letting... The narrow spotlight on, on the hands fade into the background and expanding the torch beam of attention now to include a sense of the whole of the lower body rooted and anchored here in the present moment. And then maybe shifting the torch beam of attention to the belly. A sense of the abdomen rising and falling as we breathe in and out, letting the breath come and go and sensing how this is in the body, expanding, releasing, rising and falling. And letting a sense of the breath and the body fade into the background. And now, exploring where your strongest anchor is. The place where you feel most present. A place in the body that you can return attention to again and again. Knowing that this is a place of stability 
and grounding that you can return to at any point during your day. So in the last few moments of the practice, resting attention on your chosen anchor. And as our practice draws to a close, asking yourself, in the minutes and hours of my day ahead, how can I best care for myself? And in this way, threading mindfulness through the very fabric of our lives. (laughs) 